0: Welcome to Superior Central Libraries Podcast, your place for stories, poetry, messages from your teacher, and announcements from your library. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, June 4th, and I'm sorry for not having a podcast yesterday. I had some computer issues, but I think we are all set now, and I am going to be reading from Flower Antha by Beck Castro. Our new story is called Flowerantha by Beck Castro. This book is dedicated to anyone who's pretended their backyard was a magical land and a stick was a sword. Also, to my 11-year-old self, we did it. We finally did it. Flowerantha. Prologue. The liquid harp strings of a sprinkler swinging back and forth in the backyard provided the escape the girls needed on the sweltering day. The sun beat down frying the grass between the two girls' houses. The taller girls' shoulders and cheeks turned pink under the sun's intense rays, creating a stark contrast against the blue and green floral pattern of her bathing suit. Between the two of them, they had five siblings, but none were around that day. May Lin, a petite 11 year old girl with long black hair sticking to the tan skin of her back sprinted across the lawn and through the sprinkler. But she did not come out the other side like she had the previous dozen times she had leapt through. There was a flash of pink from her bathing suit and then she was gone. Her friend Beverly slicked her light golden-brown bangs back into her chin-length hair and dug her knuckles into her eyes in disbelief. She called out and jerked her head back and forth and tiptoed toward the curtain of water herself. When she stuck her head through, instead of seeing browning grass in her house across the yard, her eyes adjusted to the darkness of a cave. The sound of loud rushing water replaced the backyard sounds of chirping birds and humming car engines. She called for her friend again, lost her footing in the wet grass, and fell into the cave. Chapter One The flowers are purple today, a woman said to her son. Mash, a boy of about 13 years old, with a solid build, straightened out his longer-than-average legs on the tree branch he was reclining on. Pressing his back against the trunk of the tree, he looked up from the book he was reading. What do you say, Ma? His mother poked her head out of a room-sized pouch, suspended from a sturdy limb. Their residence consisted of four fibrous pouches hanging from different limbs on the same massive tree. Two of the pouches were bedrooms, with only a mattress and a blanket in each of them. A third contained a solid floor, made of wood and straw, with four sawed-off cylinders of logs to sit on. And the fourth housed everything they owned, heaped into a teetering mound. Masha's sling hung higher in the tree than the other three pouches, to give the privacy a teenage boy needed. The middle-aged woman's eyebrows jumped higher on her forehead than usual, creating wrinkles in her tanned face. Ma! Mash wedged the book under one of his legs and hid it from his mother. The book, useful slang and other cultural norms, was given to him by his father. But anything about the Amaranath, which meant other land and flower amphen, upset his mother. Ma is what some people call their mothers. You sound crazy when you use words like that, Mash. No one here is going to understand you. Please just speak, Floweranthan. Mash dangled his legs off the branch. His bare feet, which were covered in dirt, swung back and forth in the air. What were you saying, Mother? Dark Coley, she said in Flowerantha, meaning dark purple. Look at the flowers. Have you seen them? I do not pay attention to the flowers, mother. And that will be your folly someday, son. Look. Mash focused on the ground far below to appease his mother. To anyone unfamiliar with Flower Anthem, the scene would have been breathtaking. Fields of flowers, including all kinds of rainbows, sprawled as far as the eye could see. All different kinds lived together, interspersed with each other. The bright sun magnified the colors, to the left, a hundred yards away, was a dense forest with lush, skyscraping green trees. A clear, small stream meandered behind their tree residence and flowed into huge lakes and rivers and waterfalls elsewhere, connecting all of Flower Anthem by water. I don't see anything different. His mother opened her mouth to say something, but then furrowed her brow. More slang! I do not see anything different. The woman shook her head. I do not know why those people need to waste, need so many different words to mean the same thing. It is pointless and a waste of time. Why are you so determined to learn their language anyway? I'm going to find a way there someday. A crashing sound made Mash jump. The pot and lid Mash's mother had been cleaning were now on the floor in front of the porch. She held the cleaning cloth between clenched fists and her lips formed a tight line. "'Enough! I will not hear another word about the Amaranath. Do you understand? Now fetch me the bowls from storage, please. We will be using them for the meal.' But his mother's eyes narrowed. Mash clamped his mouth shut and did as he was told. He scaled the tree with no trouble and swung himself into the hanging pouch." The bowls and other items they used every day were in the front. The day before, they had spent an hour rummaging around the different piles until they found an old book of his father's. Mash wondered why they didn't just wish for a new one, but his mother said that wasn't the point. People of Flowerantha could wish for any physical item. They couldn't wish to fly, but they could wish for wings. But wishes were only temporary, and no one knew how long a wish would last. They could wish for food and be nourished by it before it disappeared. If someone were to wish for a giant treehouse facing the sea, the house would not last long enough for anyone to be impressed by its massiveness. In some ways, wishes from Flower Anthem's life made lives more convenient, but they didn't make them perfect. With three stacked bowls in one hand, Mash climbed down to the pouch where his mother waited. His mother took the bowls and wrapped her fingers around his wrists before he bound away again. You remember what happened with the last visitor from Amaranth, don't you? Yes, of course. He made enemies with the mermaids and tried to turn all the land walkers against them. The Monaster Knights were doing his bidding, but one day he drove him away for some reason. He faced away from her so that she couldn't hear him muttered. But not every visitor has evil intentions. The monster knights were Tyrannosaurus rexes with featherless coverings at the top of his heads, their backs and continuing down to the tips of their long tails. The color of the feathers varied from gray to black to rust, depending on the beast. They also had powerful, leathery wings. Monster knights lived in the mountains and had to kept, be kept to themselves the past 10 years since the battle of the mermaids and the landwalkers versus the evil visitor. Only sporadic attacks over the years, the people of Flowerantha were beginning to believe the monster knights were no longer a problem. You do not know that. We had no trouble with those monster knights until the visitor came along. Who knows what other evils that world has? His Mother's expression was grave as deep purple shadows swept over the rainbow bloomed like a cloud blasting over the field. I'm sure it's not so bad, Mother. Is it all right if I go see Nautica for a while? Yes, maybe she will talk some sense into you. Mash barely heard his mother's muttered words as he scrambled down the tree and into the meadow of flowers. She called after him. Be home for the meal and be careful. Mash followed the flow of the stream until the water opened up into a peaceful lake. He knelt down at the water's edge and slapped the water a bit. Nautica, a girl about Mash's age, bobbed to the surface. Her long blue green hair swirled in the water's surface, almost camouflaged. Even her pale skin had a greenish glow to it. Her round eyes, like giant glassy marbles, stared at Mash. Her lips turned up at the corners for a second, and then her expression hardened. You do not need to do that. I can already read your mind. So can everyone else down here if they want to. Her blue fishtail slapped the water behind her. Honestly, if you just paid more attention to what was going on here than what was going on in Amaranth... Mash put her hand to cut her off. "'I know that, Nautica, but this is important. "'You might have been preoccupied reading someone else's mind.' "'Her eyes never left his. "'You're always on my mind, Mash.' "'Mash continued as if he hadn't heard her at all. "'My mother was going on and on about flowers today.' "'Nautica rolled her eyes. "'She coasted to the shore and rested her elbows on a mound of flowers.' and dropped her chin into her hands. Her glittering blue tail was halfway above the water in the shallow part of the lake. Mash sat cross-legged next to her, and Nautica took the opportunity to lean on one of his knees. "'Do you think you'll ever find a partner, Mash?' asked Nautica. Mash's gaze remained forward. "'You ask me that all the time, but you already know the answer.' He peeked at her out of the corner of one of his eyes with a half-smile. She lit up for only a second and then composed herself. Nautica moved her shoulder away from his knee but stayed beside him, following his gaze into the distance. You want your partner to be someone from Amaranth, but you have never met anyone from there. What if they are hideous? I've seen pictures in my books. They're not hideous. They look just like us. Mash scratched his cheek. But even if they were hideous, I wouldn't care. They're fascinating. I'm going to go there someday. I'm going to get out of here and live there. Nautica didn't bother responding because nothing she could say would change his mind. Mash and Nautica had grown up together, born on the same day. Mash had been fixated on the other land ever since the first time he heard about the visitor when he was a young boy. Nautica would be a f- would have been offended by his response if she weren't so used to it by now. She changed the subject. What did your mother say about the flowers? Something about them being purple? She said that the flowers looked purple today. Mash adjusted his position so that he was kneeling. The two ridges along Nautica's brow bone in the place of her eyebrow scrunched together to form a crease between them. And... "'Does that mean anything to you?' "'I do not pay that much attention to land flowers, Mash. "'I live underwater.' Eh, didn't mean anything to me, either.' "'He plucked a pink daisy and handed it to her. "'Nautica traced the flower's petals with her webbed fingers. "'It was so lovely, even if it was not meant as a gift from him. "'He pointed at the edge of the petal. "'Look, the edges are purple.' "'What do you think that means?' She cupped the flower in her hand and inspected it closer. Must mean something. Maybe another visitor from Amaranth? Nautica dropped the flower into the water and it floated away with the ripples created by her tail. Shh! If they were not listening before, they will now. Those words will surely bring you into view in the king and queen's brine pool. Anyway, it cannot be that. Olivia would have known if there was a visitor here. "'She's been telling everyone that there is nothing to be afraid of. "'If someone comes, she will know what to do.' "'Mash plucked another flower by the stem and tossed it to the side. "'Have you ever seen this brine pool? I think it's a legend.' "'No, it is far too dangerous for anyone besides the king and queen. "'If anyone else were to touch the water, well, they would be in no position to tell the tale. "'Even Olivia cannot approach it.' "'Sounds convenient.' Olivia, half mermaid and half landwalker, with disproportionately long legs, webbed fingers, and gills, was the go-between for landwalkers and sea dwellers. Mermaids had the power to read minds, but leaving the water was complicated, and for that reason, a landwalker-mermaid hybrid was appointed to help the king and queen rule both realms. Water was a powerful force, and the king and queen had control over it, which demanded respect from the land walkers who scarcely saw their rulers. From deep down in the sea, King Mermano and Queen Mermadia could see all their subjects from a pool hidden in their palace. The royals had been anointed by the pool's water. To anyone else, the acid water and the fumes from it would burn. Well, I'm going to ask my father. People always confide in him. Well, that's his job, said Nautica. Mash's father worked as a chronicler. His job was to frequent local gathering places and speak with both landwalkers and sea dwellers to record the daily events of Flower for historical purposes. Because of his job duties, he was always aware of all the land's gossip and news. Yes, it is. I'll be back in a couple days, and I'll let you know if I find out anything new. Try to do some investigating down there too. And let me know if you hear anyone thinking about what the flowers mean. Someone has to know something they're not saying. I have to get back home. Father's probably back by now. Mash jumped up before Nautica could say anything. He took a few steps before flashing him, her his goofy grin. Thanks Nautica, you're the best. I hope you have enjoyed Chapter 1, of Flower Anthem by Beck Castro. This book will be in our school library um, after my family finishes reading it. And I just have a quick reminder about your library. Our last day of school is June 10th, next Wednesday. Um, They are having a Chromebook and school supply drop-off on that day from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. If you are in elementary school, kindergarten to 5th grade, please go to the elementary parking lot to drop your stuff off with your child's teacher and you will get any supplies that they had left at school all bagged up and you'll get those back. If you are in sixth through 12th grade or 11th grade, really, you will go to the high school parking lot. If you have multiple children, please have their stuff sorted out by grade. And don't forget to bring back any library books. You will be getting overdue library book slips in your email soon. Have a great day, guys.